Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, addiction in Minnesota, feeding the hungry, and a look back at the top Minnesota sports stories from 2021. But first... In the year that's ending, Minnesotans witnessed the verdict and sentencing of Derek Chauvin for the murder of George Floyd and the manslaughter conviction of Kimberly Potter for fatally shooting Dante Wright. Many are asking, what is justice? And how can we be sure justice is done in Minnesota, particularly for people of color? Eminem's Bill Werner talked with two prominent Minnesotans who have quite different points of view about the Potter verdict, which came down just before Christmas. Former State Senator Scott Jensen, who is a medical doctor, is seeking the Republican Party's nomination for Minnesota governor, and he says about the Potter verdict, A tremendous amount of sadness on my part. I just am left with so many questions. One of the questions, of course, is, has justice been served? I mean, I'm no lawyer, but um, I have to ask that question. I think another question that comes up is, can a person make a mistake with tragic or catastrophic results and be judged to be innocent of a crime? I think of in medicine, many times in surgery, something adverse will occur that we would not have wanted to occur and we would potentially retrospectively done things differently had we anticipated it. You could certainly in many situations clearly call it a mistake. These things happen and I I just, my heart goes out to Kim Potter. Those are the initial responses I have. The law basically says even if you make a mistake that there are there are some consequences for it, even if it's an honest mistake. Uh, how, what do you say to that? I think the Star Tribune in the editorial said something about they hope that this provides the Dante Wright family peace of mind or peace. I have to ask the question, is that the, uh, is that the hope for X outcome in a situation like this? In other words... Do you mean that should that be the objective of the justice system to provide peace to the family? Is that what you're saying? Exactly. That uh, that the objective should be perhaps something else other than that? Is the objective in this situation, in an accidental situation, we can quibble about this or that or the other thing, but is the objective peace of mind? Is Is it for an improved society? Is it for a safer society? Is it for justice? Uh, Is there an opportunity for the civil side of the law to uh, address the situation potentially better than the criminal side of the law? This begs a question. Do you think that there's bloodlust involved here in some way? You know, that's maybe an overstatement, but uh, an element of that in it? I wouldn't use the word bloodlust. Is there a is there an element of anger that seeps into a certain vengeance? Is there a need for um, consequence? That um, and, and if there's a need for consequence, at what level does that consequence need to be? 
again, for me, when I think about these things, I ask myself, does the consequence make us better? Does it make our society safer? Does it root out an evil or an unfairness that had been cute for not apparent? Those are the kinds of things I ask myself. And it just seems to me that Kim Potter was a well-respected uh, police officer who made a horrific mistake in, in, in the very instant following it. She was aware of it. And my heart goes out to the Dante Wright family. Uh, but I find this gut-wrenching to think of Kim Potter spending years in jail. I, I, I don't think society is better for it. That is former state senator, M.D., and Republican gubernatorial hopeful Scott Jensen. Now for a much different view from State Representative Carlos Mariani. He is a Democrat from St. Paul and chairs the Public Safety and Criminal Justice Reform Finance and Policy Committee in the Minnesota House of Representatives. He says about the jury's decision in the Potter case. My impression from a distance um, is that um, it's a good verdict. Um, It fits within the concept of making sure that our public servants are held accountable uh, for their actions, especially upon the taking um, of a life of a citizen. Um, now, what happens from here on out in terms of, you know, the sentencing, um, you know, that could well be a time for um, some redemption, uh, some, um, you know, understanding of the difficulty of the situation. Uh, but I think it was so critically important for the public to make sure that our uh, legal system um, uh, absolutely uh, will be focused on uh, good, strong, fair accountability uh, for the actions of our state-licensed peace officers. Mr. Chairman, there are some who say that first-degree manslaughter is is excessive in terms of a conviction, that perhaps it fit better on second, but first is... Uh, assumes a degree of recklessness uh, or, or, or maybe a cavalier attitude that, that the defendant did not have. You wrangle with these kind of issues on a regular basis in your committee. What's your assessment of it? Well, you know, again, I'm, I'm you know, not, not in the minds of the jury. I, I suspect that they struggled with uh, uh, that very question. Uh, ergo, the, the amount of time that they uh, spent on it. And I think that's a you know a bit of a um, an assurance you know I think for the public that there wasn't this quick um, you know rush to judgment um, and so um, you know I I guess my response would be that I I do believe that there is a sense a strong sense among many communities particularly communities of color especially black communities that the recklessness uh, really has to do with the fact that an unarmed individual who was not menacing uh, anyone uh, would end up being shot and, um, you know, uh, die at the hands of a peace officer. It seems to me, um, and I agree with the community, that uh, there should have been uh, other ways, um, uh, far less uh, lethal, certainly, and uh, less forceful uh, to handle that situation. And so I think we have these uh, this these disparate, I suppose, uh, perspectives about what is cavalier. Uh, but I do think that the jury, um, I believe, uh, the jury really struggled pretty strongly with that, and I, I trust their judgment. 
Mr. Chairman, one person I talked to, and, and I, I will only say that they're highly respected in their particular field, okay, uh, because this person was speaking to me off the record, and I won't say any more than that uh, so that okay. people are not able to identify this person in the context of our news coverage, okay. Uh, but, but this person, I, I asked this person, do you think that the verdict in this case, that, that Kimberly Potter was a victim of historical circumstance or political circumstance. And this particular person uh, said, possibly. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Mr. Chairman? Yeah, I think it's a great question, and I, I welcome the answer um, that this individual gave you. I think that there are several victims here, um, and I think that uh, the officer is, in some ways, uh, not totally, um, because she was certainly in control of her actions and, you know, is a trained person expected to be uh, in control of those actions. But nonetheless, um, I think she's part of uh, a tragic uh, systems approach here. Uh, obviously, the biggest victim, you know, is the, the, the right family and Dante himself. State Representative Democrat Carlos Mariani. And Scott, I think it is a reasonable prediction that in this new year, criminal justice and police reform will continue to figure prominently in not only debate at the Minnesota legislature, but also in political rhetoric moving toward the November elections. Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters will return after this. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives. Who are we? We're your neighbors, co-workers, and friends. That's right, we live and work in the community too. Because of that, we're committed to making sure our electric services stay reliable, affordable, and safe. Throughout the state, Minnesota electric co-ops work independent of each other, but with the same goal, provide power to Minnesota. You have so many other things to worry about. Your electricity isn't one of them. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives, bringing power to the people of Minnesota. Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and I'm proud to be a book person. How do I choose a book? Sometimes it's the cover, sometimes it's the title. I guess I'm pretty visual. If a book's really impressing me and the writing is really good, I will peek and see what the last paragraph is because the endings of books should rock you. I am a book person, and if you're a book person too, read to a child and spark a lifetime of ambition. Join me at bookpeopleunite.org because reading is fundamental. A public service announcement brought to you by Reading is Fundamental, Library of Congress, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. It's been a tough year for just about everyone, especially those struggling with drug and alcohol addiction. I recently spoke with Lydia Burb, clinical director at Hazelden Betty Ford in St. Paul, about addiction and about having hope in the new year. We are obviously uh, heading towards the end of 2021 and into the beginning of 2022, and I was hoping you could give me a little bit of a sense of uh, what kind of year we had here in Minnesota with regard to uh, addiction issues, drug and alcohol issues. Uh, let's start first of all with regard to overdoses in Minnesota. Uh, what did we see in 2021? In 2021, we saw a pretty drastic increase in overdose and overdose death as a result of opiate use in Minnesota, and that can be attributed to uh, a number of different things, one of which, of course, is the pandemic and the added amount of stress that that has put on people and the perception of having a lack of access to the care uh, that people need to safely access. And another thing that can be attributed to is the presence of fentanyl, which is a synthetic opioid 
um, and that being present in a lot of the chemicals that people are using without their knowledge, which leads to overdose. Um, do we have anything uh, in the arsenal to combat these these growing numbers that we're seeing, especially as we have people dealing with depression and addiction issues during the pandemic? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the number one thing that we have in our arsenal to combat some of these issues is professional treatment and peer support. Um, comprehensive care with medications and evidence-based therapy and peer support is um, ready and available and accessible for people. The other things that we have that can really help people in a harm reduction type of way until they can access the professional treatment that they need are something called fentanyl test strips. Uh, which can be used to test whether or not fentanyl is present in a chemical. And then, of course, Narcan or Naloxone, which is really um, a miracle medication that can be used to instantly reverse the effects of an opiate overdose. You know, in in recent years, we've tended to focus a lot on uh, opioids, and fentanyl in particular has been in the news a lot. But obviously, alcohol addiction uh, remains an enormous problem in in this country and elsewhere. Uh, What did we see with uh, regard to alcohol addiction in, in Minnesota over the course of 2021? Really, what we saw with alcohol is similar to what we saw with other chemicals, which is people are um, using more. We saw an increased uh, return-to-use rate, meaning people who have been in recovery have returned to chemical use for one reason or another over the course of the year. And alcohol does remain a big problem in Minnesota. And there really is room for both conversations because both are incredibly important, both alcohol and other chemicals. There seems to be, in many cases, a relationship between uh, mental health issues and use of drugs and alcohol. It kind of becomes a cycle where uh, if you suffer from depression or anxiety, you try to mask it with the alcohol, and then the the two things serve each other or don't serve each other. Um, If we happen to have listeners out there that that are struggling with these issues, what is your message to them? Yeah, sometimes chemical use can lead to mental health issues, and sometimes mental health issues can lead to chemical use. The message that I would have for people who are struggling with either, or especially both, are that it's really important to address both at the same time. When we take chemical use out of the picture, oftentimes mental health uh, symptoms increase. And likewise, um, when we uh, just treat mental health, the chemical use aspect of the disease goes untreated. It's important to address both at the same time to create a holistic, happy, healthy person. And, you know, this is the time of year when people are reflecting or or looking ahead. You know, we have things like New Year's resolutions and things like that. Uh, I'm curious, what if somebody out there who is listening is struggling with drug or alcohol abuse, what are the first steps that they ought to take to try to uh, improve their lives, uh, dig themselves out of that hole, so to speak? The first steps that somebody can take to seek help can indeed be small ones. Um, A person can reach out to a friend or a family member to help them um, access care. They can schedule a phone assessment with uh, a treatment center like Hazelden Betty Ford. They could reach out to their primary care physician for a referral, or they could start attending some of those mutual support groups like Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous. Any of those things can help people down the right path. 
lot of good information here. Anything else of significance that you can think of uh, that you would care to share with our listeners as we head into 2022 and hope for a, a happier, healthier year? The most important thing that I can say, the biggest message that I can deliver, um, is that there is absolutely hope for recovery. And um, there is a place for somebody who's struggling, and there is a better life. Uh, and to visit org for information and resources if needed. Thank you to my guest, Lydia Burr, Clinical Director at Hazelden Betty Ford in St. Paul. We'll have more Minnesota Matters after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Nearly 400,000 Minnesotans struggled to put food on the table this past year. Tasha Radel has more. Despite these dire numbers, the report also found there was an increase in federal spending on the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, known as SNAP, which was called the Food Stamp Program before 2009. Joining me today is Hunger Free America's CEO, Joel Berg. Joel, the data shows too many Minnesotans aren't getting enough to eat. Can you tell us a little bit about what your study confirmed? According to Hunger Free America's analysis of federal data, 393,000 Minnesotans, including 1 in 10 Minnesota children, live in households that can't afford enough food. The only good news is because of the massive increase in federal aid, there was a pretty significant drop over 2021 of the number of Minnesotans who immediately didn't have enough food. But if that aid isn't extended, we believe we're going to go back to the worst levels of pandemic era hunger in in Minnesota and the rest of the country. Do you feel the COVID-19 pandemic has taken, I guess, food security to a whole new level? There's no question that hunger was a massive problem in Minnesota and the rest of the country before the pandemic. Tens of millions of Americans didn't have enough money to buy all the food they needed. So it's no shock that with the impact of the pandemic extending, uh, that hunger and, and poverty are extending as well at elevated rates. Joel, you brought up the SNAP Food Program, which stands for Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, and for many it was formerly known as food stamps. Are Minnesotans taking advantage of this program? Minnesota is lagging in the use of federal nutrition assistance programs. Even though the SNAP Program, which used to be called the Food Stamp Program, is funded 100% by the federal government, Minnesota's rate of participation in that program is below the national average in terms of eligible people. In fact, about one in four people in in the state eligible for SNAP aren't getting it. And Minnesota's also lagging on school meals. Only about half the kids who get school lunches get school breakfast. And Joel, the increase in food insecurity comes at a time when the cost of groceries are going up, gas, electricity, pretty much everything it seems these days. Is this also a concern heading into the new year? Uh, inflation is a worry, but it's important to point out that the increase in federal aid has way outstripped inflation. So at least uh, working people, low-income people, dependent on these programs, are doing better over the last year despite the inflation. The SNAP program alone, what used to be called the food stamp program alone, will provide $90 million a month 
uh, to Minnesota families. So that equals over a, a billion dollars a year. So it is pretty significant funding. Thanks again to my guest, Joel Berg, Hunger Free America's CEO. For more information on the SNAP Food Program, head online to the Minnesota Department of Human Services website, or you can reach out to your local county health and human services office. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters returns after this. doing your surgery is over oh it's over what happened hi mr detweiler dr newman here you have a new knee it went great you'll be up and around before you know it and it's all because of you uh what did i do you were captain of team detweiler you told us everything we needed to know your medical history your allergies and prescription meds you asked me tons of questions what your options to surgery might be, what to expect during recovery. You even asked me how many knee replacements I've already done. Huh, I guess I did kind of run the whole operation, didn't I? Mr. Detweiler, we couldn't have done it without you. Patient safety. It takes a team. And patient involvement is key. A public service message from the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. With more tips at orthoinfo.org slash patient safety. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. As we wind down the 2021 calendar year, MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm takes us back through the year that was in Minnesota sports. A Minnesotan made international headlines when she captured the women's gymnastics all-around gold in the 2021 Summer Olympics in Japan in August. Suni Lee was given a hero's welcome when she returned home, culminating with a parade through her hometown of St. Paul. I need to stop putting so much pressure on myself because it's only getting in the way and it's not helping me get better. I've gone through so much and I still manage to get through it every time. And it's Suni Lee who's in the top spot. She is going to win the Olympic all-around gold medal. Welcome to the most exclusive gymnastics club, Suni. When she stuck that landing in bars, like, we knew, like, you could tell in that space that like, we knew something great was going to happen, and we still kind of held back a little bit, and, you know, that floor routine came up, and, I mean, the, the energy in it was just electric. We just could not contain ourselves. It's an 18-year-old from St. Paul, Minnesota. going to be on White Beer, uh, ending with an event at Aldrich Arena, and we're excited to see community come out and support as we celebrate our Olympian and welcome her home. Amazing, there's so many people here and I'm just thankful for the amount of love and support that we have. It was also quite a year for Minnesotan Gable Steveson. The superstar wrestler won the Big Ten Championship, the NCAA title, the Olympic gold medal in Japan, signed a lucrative deal with the WWE, and is wrestling for the Golden Gophers yet again this season. It's a great feeling after um, losing my freshman year to Anthony Bissar. I think it's a phenomenal feeling to come here and win two Big Ten championships for the University of Minnesota. The being an Olympic team is the pinnacle. Winning a national title is, is some people's pinnacle, but my pinnacle is getting that Olympic gold and, and showing people on the baddest in the world, not just in the country. Fake snap, fake snap, fake snap, fake snap, fake snap, fake snap, go get it, go get it, go get Trying it. Trying to come around, he's going to get the two, it's part of the board, Gable Stevenson at the final second, grabs gold for Team USA. And here it comes, 
The celebration backflip, his trademark at the NCAAs, at the U.S. Olympic trials, and now in the biggest moment of his life at the Olympics in Tokyo. Gable Stevenson, superstar for the United States. That last 13 seconds I cannot describe. I don't even know how I did it myself. And here it comes, the celebration backflip, his trademark at the NCAAs, at the U.S. Olympic trials, and now in the biggest moment of his life at the Olympics in Tokyo. Well, you know, I had to build the anticipation. I had to build a, a draw of people thinking I was going to leave and me deciding that I randomly want to come back. So, I mean, I'm thankful that WWE allowed me to come back and have one last go at the national title. That means a lot for me to go out there and, and put on my best effort for the great state of Minnesota. Minnesota sports fans also saw several high-profile firings, hirings, and contract extensions in 2021. Yes, these are difficult days. They're difficult decisions. We had some good moments. We really did, and, I, and I'm proud of it. I'm not going to be one of those guys that's rooting against Minnesota every time and wants a guy to fail. Like I'm not like that. You know, I'm proud of what we did, and hopefully somebody can come in here and make it even better. It means the world because I know the special position that I'm in. I know what it means to be the head coach at the University of Minnesota. When you have somebody like Coach Fleck leading your program, you're in a good spot, so we're really excited about the contract extension. You know, when you know where, you're, where you want to be, I, I don't think that makes it very hard. I've said that to Mark uh, numerous times over the years, and uh, just appreciate him and his commitment to our program. He swings and sends one to right field deep. On the track at the wall is Naylor. That's gone home run. Lead-off home run to right for Byron Buxton with that swing. He now is tied for the Major League lead in home runs. This is where we made a home nine years ago, and we get to you know, live for seven more years here. So officially say I might be a Minnesotan. Now that pen is paper, very excited to get back on the field and bring that ring to it. We came to an agreement with Carell. Big for our team, big for the organization, I think big for our fan base, and uh, you know, we couldn't be happier. The Minnesota Timberwolves made national headlines in 2021 when they fired President of Basketball Operations Gerson Rosas in part due to an inappropriate relationship with a female co-worker. In addition, team owner Glenn Taylor agreed to sell the team to a group of investors headlined by former Major League Baseball star Alex Rodriguez. What happened last week, it just added to the list. You know, I've been, I've been everything from defamed by teammates, been a scapegoat for people, COVID, my own personal life, but the only thing that's constant is me being a consummate professional and all of that. My personal reaction, I didn't really have one. I mean, this is the world we live in, it's the business we live in, it's the industry that, you know, things like that take place, and there's nothing you can do about it. I'm super excited and, and to be in this market. Uh, my wife and I have been here now for a few years, and uh, we love it here. I'm all about Minnesota, everybody knows that. <laughs> I'm all about Minnesota. I just think these are the right individuals that, because of their age and everything, that we can see our future for a long time and build on. I think that's one of the things we hit it off with uh, Glenn and Becky, was our alignment around Minnesota, uh, how bullish we are in this market. It's an incredible market with great people. Scott, that's part of our year that was. Thank you, Mike. That is going to do it for us for this week and for this year. Thank you for listening. Please have a safe and happy new year and tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.